You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. This is an exciting year. I, I sometimes don't know how to act, to tell you the truth. Because um, I get excited in my heart, but I think if I really showed it, you'd think I was crazy. Uh, and I might be sometimes. But I want you to know that our theme, Miracles, is not something that I take lightly. It's, a, it's an enormous word packed with so much and I don't want it to be a slogan to kind of just be cool and think oh I want it to be something of our reality I want us to embrace the possibility of the supernatural loving kindness of God to embrace us this year in a way that when God when we absolutely know we need him he's there for us so it's not something I take glib at all it's not something that's trite. It's not just a, it, it's something I labored over last year before uh, coming to the conclusion that this is what I felt like the Lord was wanting us to move into. I read this morning from Acts chapter 13, verse 41, uh, just a little verse that just kind of popped to me this morning. It, it says, look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away because I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will never believe even if someone were to explain it to you. Sounds like something that God's saying that his, he moves outside of our ability, our, of, of our understanding, of our logic sometimes. There's those moments in time that we absolutely need a God that goes beyond what we can control. And, and that's what I want to do this year. This year, and this legitimately probably is the first message of the year that, on miracles. We, we started with the State of the Church Address at the beginning of January. We did our prayer circles last, year, th- or last week. Thank you for being involved in that. That was an awesome time to, uh, of just trusting God and believing for some supernatural things to go on in our lives this year, transformations and metamorphoses in our own heart. But this is the very first message in, in what I'm hoping will be a, a series of messages that will connect over the whole course of the year. They're all going to be standalone, of course, like meaning that you can come at any time, but I want us to build upon precept upon precept, stone upon stone in order to uh, discover what God has for us and be a people of faith that believe for incredible things when we need them the most. Uh, the Bible says that if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, that we'd be able to say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it would be removed. And, but that, that, that's, that, that's not simple. That's, I, that, we can't take that tritely or glibly. Like in Hebrews, it talks about uh, uh, faith is believing in the unseen. Believing in the unseen. And do we believe in the unseen? And then it goes on, without Without believing the unseen, we can't please God because it says without faith, you cannot please God. Without believing in the unseen, in, in, what he, in knowing that it's going to happen before it happens, that, that's faith. It's, it's all connected. And, and the fact of the matter is Romans talks about the fact that without or, or, or faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's all connected. Our faith, and so we have to do some things this year that are going to be challenging. I'm going to say things over the course of the year. You're going to be challenged, but I, 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 we need to challenge you. We need to help you, and I need the help to embrace this God that has, you know, that assigns angels to different tasks to do that that can do miracles that can bring down walls that can hold back waters all these different things that can raise the dead all those things those are powerful things that wrestle against the very nature of who we are but first a joke gotta start with a joke this one um isn't funny 
but it does connect to my message, so I put it in there. Listen, God, uh, a scientist approached God one day and said, listen, God, we've decided we don't need you anymore. These days, AI has helped us clone people, transplant organs, do amazing things that once were called miraculous. So God replied, how about we test your theory? Let's have a little competition to see who, we, who can create a human. Now, by the way, this is no real theology behind this. This is a joke. The scientist agrees, and God says, let's do it like the good old days, the Lord said, when I created Adam. Fine, says the scientist, and bends down to scoop up the handful of dirt. Whoa, whoa, God says, just a minute, get your own dirt. <laughs> oh, that was more laughter this service than last service. I was counting on it being a total dud. Listen, um, I want to get something here. Put your, this is a stone, put your hand on your neck just to feel for a pulse. You'll get this. I was going to bring a stethoscope, but I forgot. But listen to the heartbeat. Can you, can you feel it? Can you feel the lub dub, lub dub, lub dub? Listen for the heartbeat. This rock has no heartbeat. It's a stone. It exists. The only difference between the rock and you is your heart, is the heartbeat. Your existence. The rock exists. You exist. But every moment of your life, every moment of your life is a miracle. I want to begin at the very beginning. It's an ordained miracle. Rocks exist every moment of your life, but it's you are a God-ordained miracle. Every moment of your life is a miraculous gift from God. The rock simply exists as a rock. Maybe if we don't praise, it'll cry out. But every moment of your life made possible by the vital organ created by God and placed in the perfect position in your chest. Perfect place. Every one of you who you meet, every person you meet, everyone you see, every hope and every dream that each of you have, each of any of us has, is all being sustained by this vital organ. This vital organ is striving exerting energy, working hard while you are sleeping, while you are awake, in every moment of your day to keep you alive. It never stops throughout the nights, throughout the days, throughout the weeks, throughout the months, throughout the years. It never stops working, striving on your behalf. It strives to keep you alive when you are in the midst of sin, when you are grieving. Through your tears, it keeps working. Through your cheers, it's working. When laughing and when dancing in addictions and in anger, your heart continues to beat, keeping you alive. At this very moment, your heart is beating. The, the moment the, this vital organ stops beating, your existence on earth ends. Every moment of your existence right now hangs on the next beat of your heart. And we don't even realize, it's, it's a miracle, you're a miracle. Maybe that's why King Solomon said this in the book of Proverbs. He says this, he says, above all else, above all else, Solomon was supposedly the wisest man to ever live until Jesus came. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now it's an interesting intersection for me that your heart is centered both to your physical life and to your spiritual life. 
So that scripture I have often read, above all else, keep your heart, for it is the well. It's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, trying to keep them in order, under control. But it also is connected to your physical life. In the first message in the year of miracles, I want to start at the very beginning. I want to look at this miracle. For if your heart's desire is if your heart's desire is to build faith to believe for something spectacular to believe for miracles and you don't need a miracle until you need it in 2024 then examining it begins right now this is the first setting the foundation it begins by examining your belief system you all have to exa- I want you to all examine your belief system as you begin your personal pilgrimage this year. We're doing it together, but there's also you yourself have to be engaged to grow in faith. Jesus spoke of the truth when he stated, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You will be revealed by what you chase in this life. Not what you say, but what you do. It will be, it'll betray who you are, what you do. For it's not what you say you believe, but will be seen. What you believe will be seen in your words and your deeds, your actions, your attitudes. That's what you believe. You can't hide what you truly believe. You never can. You can say all you want. You can be, give lip service. But that's not, we want to believe God's word. We want to believe for miracles, so you have to get to that place. For a person's heart is tied to what they value most in life. What is your belief system? What moves you? What shapes your life? What are you giving your attention to? What's your attitudes like? So in order to do that, I feel like I need to go back to the very beginning of man's existence. Go way back to the moment God picked up the dirt and formed Adam from the very dust of the earth. There's the joke kind of connected. Funny, now serious. Did you know that there are 92 earthly elements that make up the composition of your body? Now, there's, 11, there's six essential and five more essential, but there's another 81 uh, that make up your body, earthly elements. They include, some of the trace elements of these 92 include elements of zinc, iron, copper, lead, nickel, tin, aluminum, silver, gold, just to name a few. I'm not going to name all of them. Dust. They're trace elements. Dust. You're made up of these things. It's, it's scientific. It's chemistry. It's all these things. That's what makes it. Man is essentially a clay stone made up of dust particles all found in the earth's crust. That's did some research for it, trying to sh- share this inten- intelligently. You were a rock, a stone, until God breathed into Adam the very breath of God, the ruach of his spirit blew into him, breath of God. Only then did Adam become a living soul and become, what the Bible says, is the crown of creation. You're at the very top of creation. That You're very special, made on the sixth day. And Let me read it from Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, zinc, gold, tin, all those things, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Soul and heart sometimes are interchangeable in God's word, mind, will, and emotion. You became something alive. Not until the breath of God was breathed into your lungs, the oxygen, did your heart begin to beat and your soul begin to live. The first surgery man underwent in all of uh, the Bible was when God operated in Adam, creating Eve. He took 
Eve from the rib from Adam's side under his arm, close to his heart. You see, everything, everything in God's word, everything you read is done with purpose and precision. Little connect. I'm not going to spend time on that right now, but it's done with precision. But today I'm talking about heart surgery. See, what you believe, now this is the, this is the digging down part. This is going to challenge some of you. What you believe about how you came into the existence is vital to establishing a firm foundation for your faith to grow. What you believe and how you came about becomes critical to progressing, to moving forward to some of the miraculous moments that we're going to discover in the Word of God as we go through this year. The only other alternative, and it's the only one I could really find, from the creation theory for life on earth is the scientific approach, the evolutionary theory. Science is a closed system that only deals with the phenomena of the visible. It's what you can prove, except, they, except when it doesn't work for them, like in the case of the Big Bang Theory, where something came from nothing. That's uh, a metaphysics uh, word called uh, ex nahelo. I don't know if I'm saying the Greek word right, but it means something from nothing. I don't know how that works, but somebody said to me, I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. In a nutshell, the Big Bang is something exploded from nothing making stars. Then after billions of years, stars exploded, and the rocks and gases from those stars formed living organisms, formed planets, and out of that we grew and evolved from a single-cell living organism into the body that we now enjoy. Astronomer Carl Sagan said, was the originator of many what many scientists now agree, and you can look at this, I, I, I can't even fathom this in some ways, now agree that elements of our origin that make up our, our bodies, all those gold, silver, tin, aluminum, all those things that, that uh, I mentioned earlier on, in the, were formed and forged in the fiery death of exploding stars. That's where you are, your stardust. That's the only other option right now we have. Creation versus explosion, stardust, people. So here's where you must begin to search your heart and your soul. You are either God's masterpiece and design, the crown of creation, or the exploded remains of a stardust that evolved into a single cell that somehow came alive and crawled out of the sludge, evolving to, where's my beautiful wife? Jody, where's Jody? Is she here? Where is she? Where is she? She left. I told her I was going to do this. She said she'd stay. And she left. She forgot. Anyways. No, I'm not going to say anything. You are not sludge. Now, I'm dumbing it down, but you know what I'm saying. This is your starting point on your personal pilgrimage to building miracle working faith and beginning to expect to see signs and wonders. If you give yourself totally over to the scientific view of only what is visible and measurable, you're not going to have a place for God's revelation, angels on assignment, prophetic words, and the reality of the invisible world. Science does not allow that. Where you begin, and where you begin to build your foundation often determines where you end. If you want to end in the miraculous, it's going to be outside of what is scientifically explainable. The spectacles in which you wear determine what you see. Today, 
you all have assumptions concerning the miraculous. We all do. You think it might be easy. It could be simple. It could be, we don't believe in it. All kinds of, we all have an assumption. But this morning, I want you to begin to open or consider changing spectacles this year. Just consider it. And this is where the heart surgery of Ezekiel scripture I read starts. New hearts, new spirits, replacing hearts of stone and turning them into tender hearts of flesh. That's what God wants. Replacing the temptation of secular or immoral worldview. And there's a lot of that. Whatever feels good, we do. Whatever we desire, we make up our own rules and regulations according to God. But that's not the case. With a God-backed, biblically-focused worldview. It's your choice. You're gonna, but, and I'm not saying buy into it, hook, lie, and sink. I want you to research. I want you to do the work. I've done the work. I want you to do it. I'll help you do some of the work. But the Western scientific worldview has long been indoctrinated, indoctrinating us with deceptive and perverse teachings over many years. See, it's hard to believe that. You say, that can't be, Jay. You're just going to go out. You're going off at some tangent. It's not. No, I'm not. The reality is that in the last days, and this is what the Bible says, most are not even conscious of the perverse and vain teachings that are out there. And yet the Bible warns us of them. The Bible warns us of this. That the Bible says originates from evil. These teachings are contrary to the truth found in God's word, but will be arguable because of years of learned assumptions. Why, why can we argue? Because we have learned assumptions over years, over time, much time, many years. From school books, textbooks, all these things. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can argue, people argue these things because it's in their heart. They've been taught, learned. It's grown in them. The Bible speaks of the miracle talking donkey. Do you believe in a miracle? Do you? Is that, oh, that's figuratively. That's metaphorical. That's allegory. The Bible doesn't say any of that, it says it was a miracle. You, would you believe if a donkey sp- spoke to me and said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you would. I don't know. It's hard to imagine in our empirical world, science. Donkeys don't speak. We don't have a context for that. That can't happen. The person must be nuts. They may be nuts, but maybe they're not. Chariots of fire separating. Wow, we don't have a place for chariots of fire to separate people as they're taken up into heaven. That doesn't make sense. That's got to be figurative. Got to be metaphorical. Got to be allegorical. It's got to be some, some kind of mistake. The fable, lies, legend. The miracle of the sun standing still in Joshua. That couldn't have happened. That's impossible. That's what a miracle is. Doing the impossible. People rising from the dead. Virgins giving birth. Seas parting. All miracles. Do you have a place in your heart to actually found, fundamentally believe that that occurred? Or do you kind of give, it's nice stories, nice, uh, well, maybe, maybe not. Well, that's going to impact your foundation for trusting and believing God to do other great things in your life. So that's why it's going to take some time to go through this. I'm not trying to be glib. It's just not here, hocus pocus, miracles happen. But do you genuinely believe in the power of God to do things beyond what meets the eye and beyond what makes sense? Your assumptions, your worldview, your perceptions often become your reality because faith is the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. You only become restricted. Your, your ability to comprehend, see, and believe because of what you've been taught, what you what set your heart on, what you really think about these things. For instance, one night after reading about having faith to move a mountain, a woman looks outside her back window 
And she sees the mountain and she prays. Dear Lord, I ask you in faith to move the mountains. She closes the curtains and goes to bed. And the next day she opens, next morning she opens the curtains and she rises and sees that the mountain is still there. She moans in disgust and says, yep, just where I thought the mountain would be anyways. You know, you, it's not about just saying the words. There's an expectation that needs to grow in your heart. And that wars against every cultural nuance that it, we've been taught over the years. She didn't believe when she prayed. Not really. She spoke the words, but her heart did not expect anything. Indoctrination can be subtle and destructive, and you don't even know it's occurred. That's what indoctrination is. For instance, side kind of a little bit different, but not really. If you are told by your father and mother over years that you're stupid, year after year after year you hear, I'm stupid. The teachers tell you to quit because you're never going to amount to anything much. Your bosses keep firing you, say you're worthless. Then what are you going to think and believe about yourself? You're going to think and believe and I, this is true because some of you actually think and believe that you're worthless and valueless. You've been indoctrinated by sometimes cruel moms and dads, teachers, bosses. But that's not the truth about you. God tells you that you're different. He tells a different truth. A biblical worldview assumes that you are a masterpiece, a treasure. You are valuable. You are worth dying for. He gave his life for you. The truth of God's word needs to rule over the lie of the world. The lies that... Now, that's what indoctrination over time is. It's just different looking. So you're all valuable. You're a miracle is what we began. It needs to overrule the lie of the world. Seeing the truth about what God says about you and what is happening around us is a process. It's a learned process. It just doesn't happen accidentally, automatically. The, the searching part becomes... You might need to unlearn some things this year. That's where I want you to do a deep dive into your own heart, what you believe, what you think. For building up your faith is a learned process. Having a heart that believes the impossible is not automatic. I said it earlier on. Scripture says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, by the way, pause. John has a Bible reading series this year. He's, you can get it online. It can come to your text every morning. I've been reading it every morning. comes at 5.30 in the morning, and it's not super long, so you can get through it in actually three or four minutes. So I'm, we're just, just get some, a little bit of vitamins in you, scriptural vitamins in you. Just sign up to this and go through it. Hearing, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, I, I, I don't know how you're going to grow your faith. And so here's the question, and no judgment, no condemnation, and it, it's, it's not a legalistic thing. I don't want it to be a legalistic thing. I don't want it to be a, a measuring stick for you, whether you're a good Christian or bad Christian, spiritual or not. But if you were to absolutely be truthful before the Lord, besides the hour in church on Sunday, how much time are you actually in God's word building up your faith? You don't answer that just to yourself. Like, like serious, is it two minutes a day? Two minutes a week? I don't know. But how can you build faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're wanting to somehow see the unseen and please God with faith, then somewhere you have to be engaging. You have to ch change what you're doing, how you're spending your time. At some point, 
I know many of you have heard this little poem. I've said it over the years many times, but it still comes alive. Two natures dwell within my breast. One is foul, one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, but the one I feed is going to dominate. So there's two, two pressure points. There's bib- the biblical worldview and the, the secular worldview, and they wrestle against each other, but the one you spend the most time in is going to be the one you're going to default to. You're going to fall to that side. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22, Jesus performs an incredible miracle. It's so big, I can't even begin to unpack it right now. Over the year, I'm going to share about it somewhere. But people bring a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch the man. This man needed a miracle. The Bible says Jesus took the blind man by the hand and then did something ludicrous. Spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? The blind man looked up and said, I see people who look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. In this case, the miraculous moment of sight was not instantaneous. That's something odd a little bit. The man actually learned to see. With each Let's follow me. With each touch of Jesus, he grew in clarity. Each touch from Jesus opened up his eyes to see more and more. He grew and was healed with the second touch. And there's so much of this. I can't unpack it right now. I will somewhere, of course, through this year talk about it. But even with the touch from Jesus himself, the master, the creator, it wasn't automatic. And then there is how Jesus touched him. This is actually crazy. Can you imagine? Hey, I think God, hey, Ben, I think God wants me to spit in your eye. Uh, no, Jay, I don't think so. What would you say? Can I, can I spit in your, can I spit in anybody? That's crazy. You would say that's unhygienic, not wise, against all wisdom. But that's what Jesus did. Now, I'm not suggesting that you let anyone spit in your face. Get that clear. However, what it does say to me is that in some cases, Some things, when it comes to faith and miracles, you and I might have a little bit of a hard time with some of the things that are said and spoken, and we may need some heart surgery done. You might have some unlearned, might have to unlearn some assumptions this year about your perception, what you think is real and what isn't. You might need to ask on more than one occasion, and maybe this is a good place to begin. Lord, give me a new heart. Replace my heart of stone with a tender heart of flesh, because I'm pretty rocky right now. The Western worldview has the basic assumption that there is a scientific framework which assumes order, control, and material existence as the only reality. So you have to think, is that really what you believe? Or do you expand it beyond that? Now, I'm not denying at all that all, that all scientific discovery and knowledge is bad or wrong. Please do not hear that. I'm not saying that. Nor that medicine is to be ignored. I'm not saying that. God uses hospitals and doctors. I use hospitals and doctors. I'm not saying that. I'm in favor of using every possible means that assist us in living life to the fullest. But I also know that all truth is God's truth. So when it's true, it's God designed it that way. But when science deviates from God's word, and there's no question that over the past several hundred years, it has deviated in no small reality, from God's word. 
The evolutionary theories is preached and taught as if it is factual. It's deviated from God's word and would talk to us. We, I've been learning all, the, all those things. That man's tendency is moved away from God's word as the central point of reference is absolutely true. And we have. The church has often. But when that happens, something has to occur. I have to uphold the biblical worldview when it comes into conflict with the secular worldview. I trust in God's word completely. I might not understand it, but I trust it. So we have to grow in this over this next year. I'm not asking you to just throw out all your ideas and thoughts and all your teachings. I'm not asking, but I'm asking you to be open to consider building a foundation of faith that might look different than where you're standing right now. For Psalm 139 says, for you are created... For you created my inmost being. You, Lord, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. It's an amazing picture of who you are, written in ancient days. The first thing in a long line of things that you and I are going to be relearning this year is that you are a miracle and God has plans and purposes for your life. You did not evolve from stardust. You are no lifeless rock. And neither is the person sitting next to you and any person you see. And when you're in pain and when you're in tears, you are still a miracle. And when you are sleeping and when you're eating, still a miracle. And when you're on the streets with nothing over your head, you're a miracle. And when you're in a mansion with everything going for you, you're a miracle of creation. We all are. And we need to begin to understand that, to build that foundation that all of you are valuable. Everyone is valuable. Whatever you might think, the Bible says everyone was worth dying for. Jesus died for the world. And we have a genetic disposition toward our earthly father, Adam. But we can transform that when we accept Jesus into our lives. For we are born again with a new genetic coding that connects us to our heavenly father. And that's what changes us. That's what transforms us. Now this can all be kind of sound story-ish and fictitious, but it's not. This is what God has done. And you need to do the deep dive to discover what side of this worldview you're going to land on. It's going to be an adventure. We're going to talk about many of the miracles. We're going to share some of these things. We want to get down the miracles over natural nature, the miracles of incredible overhealing. We're going to talk about the discipline in miracles and some reasons why things don't happen. We're going, to, we're going to be reminded of the small miracles and the large miracles. All those things, of course, of this year we want to talk about. But it begins for all of us. It will always begin for each and every single one of us right now. It will begin with what we decide about who Jesus is and if we invite him into our heart. Change the genetic makeup of who you are. The Bible says we are a new creation, a never-before-seen entity when we give our life to Jesus. Born afresh, born anew, new spirit, new heart. Everything changes 
when you give your life to Jesus. And that's, a, that, that's, a, that's truly the miracle of salvation. That's the biggest one of, that you can ever imagine. And it doesn't even look like anything's happened. But it will over time. So we've got a long journey ahead of us, a personal pilgrimage that I want each of everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in church or how little you've been in church. It's not about church. It's about your relationship with Jesus. And it begins with a personal dedication and commitment to him. I, I'm excited about this. That's why sometimes I don't know what to do, jump or, you know, or do what I, I don't know. I get excited about some of this stuff. But um, I hope you'll be along for the ride and get excited about it too as we move through this year. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.